0: Starting tonight is one of the more intriguing uh, experiments for a while that the NBA has had. Now, the NBA, of course, tried another experiment when they started the play-in tournament. And for a while, that was something that people were highly confused about. And to be honest, not everybody entirely understands how that works uh, either yet. But it's certainly become a valuable addition to the NBA. And they're hoping that their in-season tournament, Adam Silver's tried to push for this, uh, kind of in a European soccer format for a while, the inaugural tournament, Starts tonight with the Denver Nuggets facing the Dallas Mavericks down at Ball Arena. It's an interesting setup. Obviously, the league is not totally committed to it because the name of the tournament is in-season tournament and the name of the trophy is NBA Cup. But it also doesn't matter that much because you're using the regular season schedule in order to play it out joining us to talk about that and the nuggets start uh, you know you're doing well look like if you're you know prince or madonna or beyonce you have full names but you don't have to use it not always means you're doing pretty well so we have an opportunity to bring swipa on to the network now swipa is an analyst over for Miley sports as well you can check him out on social at swiper cam and first time be able to be on the show so swiper thanks for for joining uh me here today but the start for the nuggets uh, the 4-1 start, you just had that kind of clunker, and now they have an opportunity to bounce back tonight in a primetime game, a late start 8 p.m. tip with Luka Doncic and the unbeaten Mavericks coming into town. Your thoughts on this matchup first, and then maybe the idea in general about the NBA Cup, which maybe to guys like Luka and Nikola Jokic maybe seems a little more familiar than it might to American audiences.
1: Yeah, well, first off, thank you for bringing me on. Uh, You know, I love the fact that you gave me the one-name moniker. So, you know, (laughs) slotting right in with some of the greats all-time that's off to a great start. But I think it's going to be a really good game today. I think, you know, the Mavericks are a good team. They are not good offensively. They have the second-best offense per NBA.com right now. Uh, They've been shooting the ball really well. Kyrie is going to be back tonight. That's going to make for a really interesting matchup. I think the Mavericks are a little – their record says they're better than what they are. If you look at, like, EPM – uh, Dunction threes, they're actually not uh, qualifying in terms of net rating as one of the better teams, but adjusted net rating. But, again, they're still going to be a very viable competition for the Nuggets. I think, obviously, having Kyrie, having Luka, Grant Williams, uh, Derek Lively has been playing really well. They're doing really well when he's on the court, not so good when he's off. Uh, so it's going to be a good entertaining opportunity. You know, Jamal Murray really struggled last game, 0-9 in the first half, 5-7 of in the second half. It's going to be a great opportunity for him to bounce back. He even struggled shooting versus Utah, had 18 points, but had 14 assists. So this is going to be a really good opportunity for him to get a bounce back game, as well as Michael Porter Jr., who two games ago, three had, or three games ago, versus OKC, had 20 points and nine rebounds, four, seven, from three. He's kind of struggled in other games this year, uh, trying to get back to his normal averages from three. But, you know, he had the ankle injury. He said he's had to adjust his game. But tonight, granted the fact that he's not going to face a high-quality defense, this could be a really good opportunity for him to get a nice little kickstart. And Jokic, for sure, triple-double area. Um, Last year, the Dallas Mavericks in December, they actually doubled Jokic on every single possession. So we'll see if they'll do that again tonight. Uh, But if not, then the team should be able to cook at a high level, even if he is doubled. So it's going to be really good. I actually love the in-season tournament. I think this is going to be a wonderful addition. I think similar to how... They do in Europe, you know, when you're playing in the Euro Cup or you're playing in other opportunities in uh, some of the football leagues out there, meaning soccer leagues in American term, They have these in-season tournaments to add uh, a little bit more cachet, uh, a little bit more status to what's happening in the regular season contest. So hopefully the players buy in, the coaches buy in. There should be some nice little cash incentives for the players. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe this expands. If it goes really well this year, if you win the in-season tournament, does your conference, like the MLB All-Star game, do you get – home court advantage the next year in the NBA finals or something like that. So we'll see how it turns out.
0: There, there was an idea floated in the early parts of this tournament. And I'm, I'm see, I'm for it too, because it, I don't, it doesn't hurt anything. We're using the regular season for the, the so the games have to matter because they matter their regular season games. Uh, certain players obviously will buy into it more than others, but I, I don't think there's really a downside to it. it. It almost can't fail because the regular season games and they do matter. But uh, there were ideas to the, saying that if you won the in-season tournament that basically, you know, it was we have the, for example, the, the play-in tournament, that maybe that would guarantee you a spot in the play-in tournament. Uh, things like that might be an idea, that you'd be guaranteed at least the 10th spot if you won the in-season tournament. That's the kind of thing that it can build upon. So I think there are possibilities to build it, but it seems to me like a completely low-risk way of doing things and getting attention for the league at times during the NFL season. You know, the, the, the joke for forever has been, the NBA's real opening day is on Christmas when they take advantage of that that television audience, and that feels like when a lot of people kick off uh, their NBA viewing. And this is an opportunity to see if they can bring a little bit of attention to it. The new uh, the uniforms, which have been mixed in their response, the new courts, I think maybe a little more interesting. But I- I'm with you. I, th- I think it's a great idea. You have to throw ideas at the wall. They don't always work. And if this doesn't work, no harm done. So I like the plan. But looking at the Nuggets, and you, you t- spoke about Michael Porter Jr. in particular, we know that that ankle's kind of been an issue that bothered him in the preseason. Does he look right to you yet as a shooter?
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. You know, when I talked about this a little bit earlier today, um, but when you're a shooter, you have to work from the ground up. So everything starts from your feet and then all the way through the tips of your fingers on your mechanics. And so if you are not feeling fully comfortable at your base, that can affect not just the shot mechanics itself, but also mentally. So I think Porter is struggling a little bit with the concentration and the delivery of the shot. But I do think as his ankle gets more healthy, because this has been really about three weeks now, so he probably has a couple more weeks left to go into. He's maybe 100%, maybe even a little bit longer than that. But I think as the season goes on, the more comfortable that he does feel as a shooter, the more comfortable he feels with his ankle. And again, as he gets into the groove as he missed preseason, he gets into the groove of the regular season fully. And you're going to see spots. Like tonight might be a good shooting night. Tomorrow, we're the to Chicago Bulls. They have the 21st-ranked defense in the NBA. And, and the Mavericks have the 19th-ranked defense in the NBA. Maybe he gets it back over the course of this weekend and has a couple good shooting performances as well. A lot of this is just about comfortability. So I do expect that he will regain that. Again, people don't realize this. Michael Porter Jr. is the most efficient scorer in Denver Nuggets history. He's always been a preeminent shooter in the league. He's the second most efficient player ever to start his career as a volume three-point shooter in NBA history high Steph Curry. This is what he does. He was shooting at 42% clip basically up until the NBA Finals last year. So he will get that back. But the good thing is is that defensively he's better than he's ever been because of the run in the playoff. He's rebounding better than he yeah. has been over the course of his career. So you get all the other stuff from Porter. As he gets better as a player and continues to get his shot back, look out. Porter's going to be a nightmare for other teams.
0: Yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm with you. See, I look at it, and I'm not worried about the shot. I'm like, it'll fall. He's been dealing with the injury. The timing's got to come back. It'll get there. These This starts a a, a sequence, of course, and, and they've already had one of these, but well, you have now uh, a couple of games really compressed. You know, you have Wednesday night uh, – pardon me, you had Wednesday night against Minnesota. You get tonight off, but now you have Friday against Dallas. You pointed out tomorrow against Chicago. They get Sunday off, then they're back against New Orleans on Monday. So you get the three in four nights. Is is that for a guy like Porter, and for and let's even extend it to the to the bench as the bench minutes are starting to sort of crystallize a little bit? Does that compressed schedule help or hurt that process?
1: Yeah, that's tough. You know, it really, just depends on pain management. But you know, when you're again, this is they got four games in six night. You know, three and four at times. Like this is a lot of basketball to play, and again, it's early season, so you're still getting your win back as well. So I don't think it's going to necessarily hurt it unless you were to get hurt again. But obviously, you know, we were all hoping that doesn't happen. But I think this is just more so about maintenance, making sure they're doing a lot of icing, a lot of recovery. You're getting into, like, you know, the contrast system where you're heating it and icing it. So a lot of this is just making sure that during the game you're taking care of it. And then also, you know, after the game that you're like Jokic and you're going and you're making sure you're seeing the trainer afterwards. Tomorrow when you're getting ready to take your flight or or whatever else, or when they're going to take your flight going into, into Monday, making sure you're icing it and stuff there. So everything is about maintenance in the NBA Similar to the NFL, it's just everything you do in between games helps you to get ready and to stay ready for the upcoming game the next week.
0: Yeah, fortunately, at least that they start a string in which these four are all at home, which is yeah. advantageous. Uh, the let, let's go back to the bench and some of the the younger guys. Now we know that Reggie Jackson, uh, not a younger guy, and he's been off to a really really good start. Do you believe what he's doing is sustainable as the season goes along, or do you think that we'll start seeing more staggering with Murray with the second unit, or do you think that one of the younger guys uh, may end up playing bigger minutes as we go?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of people were curious about Reggie Jackson just because what would it look like for him to be the lead point guard as opposed to Bruce Brown? Now, regular season Bruce Brown, they actually weren't a good team last year when he was leading the point guard unit, but just because – they just didn't have the floor spacing around them. They never really got on the same page. But once they went to the playoffs, they basically said, Murray, Gordon, go to the bench, stagger with Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and Jeff Green, and go Hut. And that's what they did. That's why they started winning those minutes. That's why they won the NBA championship, because they didn't lose the minutes. They actually started winning the minutes, even though it was minimal, or they started stagnating in those minutes, which, again, if you have Jokic on the court, you're most likely going to win. So that's the other part of this, is that they were just able to find a formula. This year, it's funny, the Reggie Jackson, Javal Murray, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zig Nodgium minutes, they're winning them. They actually have a 91 defensive rating through the first five games of the season so far, which is great. They basically are switch everything, lock in defensively, and you run and gun on offense. That's how they structured everything. So Reggie just has to manage. The limited amount of pick and roll opportunity that he has with either Jeet or, or Nikola Jokic, making sure when he's getting to that 10 to 15 spot that he's doing a spot up mid range shot, or he's collapsing to the six foot area and getting that little floater that he likes to put over the top. And so it's just about making sure you're managing. You have a, a, rim, a, rim, a rim spacer in Zeet Najee, or if you have somebody you can kick out to, Jamal Murray or a porter on the court, that you're creating opportunities for them. And everything about his job is making sure you're taking advantage of every action offensively that you can. And on top of that, defensively not being a negative when you're out there. which so far, he's been able to be a neutral defender. And that's the biggest thing about the second unit. There are no bad defenders on the second unit. And Jamal Murray cannot be the primary POA, point-of-attack defender. So you have to do that when he's in there at that guard position. So if he can do that at a decent level he can continue to figure out ways to be potent offensively, and I think that's actually going to really help the minutes a
0: lot. We're talking with a Swiper, an analyst here over at Miley Sports for the Nuggets and host of the Locked On Nuggets podcast as well. You'll find him on a social at a Cam. And uh, you bring up Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray last year set a career high in assists, 6.2 per game. He is off to a 7.8 clip this season, which is actually, maybe team uh, people who have been watching the early going may be surprised, leads the team even over Nikola Jokic. The evolution into being a playmaker for Murray, going into the, going into at least last year, from going through all last season and then into this season, where it seems like it's even gone to another level, how has that enhanced his game and the danger he presents to opposing defenses?
1: Uh, now you're getting in a little of my ideology. I think playmaking <laughs> is the most important thing in basketball. I I don't do. think, you look at Jamal Murray, look at Magic Johnson, you look at the players that have been uh celebrated uh in the nba finals you know you got michael jordan there's four players ever that have averaged 10 assists a game in the nba finals it's michael jordan magic johnson and jamal murray is another one of those players like that just doesn't happen and then freaking you know like people like lebron james like it just doesn't happen so for jamal to be able to excel to get to a point where he's able to be a primary playmaker ball uh, facilitator and that way creating opportunity for his teammates, all of that stuff just puts him in a different category. But guess what? Being a high level playmaker, high level passer, as you get better at that, that actually makes scoring easier for you. Because now the defense can't necessarily bend towards you like it normally would because you watch it all the time. When Jamal Murray gets into the pick and roll, he crashes down, especially to an empty side pick and roll to the baseline. He's able to kick the ball out to Jokic or to Zeke Najee on that little flare. And you know that if you get Jokic back there, well, that's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, especially in the playoff setting. So when you're able to create advantages as a passer or you're able to find Michael Porter Jr. in the corner on a nice one-handed pass like he did versus the Phoenix Sun or or KCP, or you're able to find Aaron Gordon in the darker spot like he did versus Memphis this year in a clutch time situation, you do that stuff at a high enough level, then you get to the mid-range, you can cook, now we got to sag off. You get to the three-point line, step back, and then you can create space that you couldn't create because of the passing game which you were able to create as well. So Jamal Murray had just become more intelligent. He's 26 years old, missed two playoff runs because of an ACL injury. But because he went through an NBA Finals run and you played versus the toughest defenses that the NBA could throw at you, and yet you still average over seven assists a game and ten assists in the NBA Finals, all that stuff makes you that much better, and I think he's going to continue to get even better. And guess what? I would actually dare to say Jamal Murray could average over seven and a half assists this year, close to eight, because that's something that not a lot of players can do, but Jamal Murray as a secondary ball handler, secondary creator for the different numbers to do that, man, that just puts them in a completely different tier as a team.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. I understand how, how good Nikola Jokic is that Jamal Murray this year might actually be able to hold that and lead the team in assists because it changes the way that they approach in the angles and spacing. Another great playmaker in his day, Jason Kidd, not making the trip to Denver, uh, non-COVID illness. He will not be coaching tonight. Sean Sweeney will take over for him. If you were Sean Sweeney, to put us in the other side. How do you try to attack the Denver Nuggets?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, you know what? They were out of rhythm versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's see if we can see them out of rhythm. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah like trying to, to hope they're all off that day doesn't count.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so I think some of this is I might do what they did last year. What happens if we double Joker every single possession like we did last December? I want to see if they know how to respond to that kind of pressure. Because teams typically don't do that because they're more afraid of Joker as a passer than a score, which is hilarious because he might be the best scorer in the NBA. So I think a lot of this comes down to if they want to see if this team is still rattled from Wednesday, then they can create opportunities to see if they can hit their shots, make their shots, screen to Michael Porter Jr., screen to Aaron Gordon, Jamal, KCP, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, Reggie Jackson, all these players. I would want to see if I can test the others on the roster and see if you can keep Joker at that 17 to 21 game points and see if he can get 15 assists. But the only way he gets to 15 assists if, if they find the cutters and you don't clog the paint or if you don't rotate well enough on that first pass in the outlet from the post area or if you don't guard the DHO correctly. And I would want to see at least in the first quarter if the Nuggets are able to capitalize on that. Now, if they are, then you're cooked. Now they got 40 points in the first quarter. But if they don't, maybe you hold them to 25 points or something like that in the first. So I would test that and see if I can get that done.
0: It feels the other way to maybe have success against the Nuggets. We saw it a little bit to get Jokic out of rhythm. It's hard to do. But one of the things you almost have to do, and we saw it with with the Timberwolves were able to do it before, because they have a guy playing in the middle, at least when they want to, and they can put uh, Gobert, kind of let him float. You have a guy in Carl Anthony Towns who can score. If you have a guy in the middle who can score and you force Jokic to expend energy on the defensive end, that's a bit of a different situation but I don't think the Mavericks have anyone like that. I mean, they have some interesting youth, but when you're talking about size and, and Derek Lively and Grant Williams, that's where I, I don't know if they have anybody else who can put up enough of an offensive threat to make Jokic have to work.
1: No, but the thing about Luka is is Luka is a very good uh, at finding the vertical spacer, and, and Derek Lively is the definition of a vertical spacer, so I think the thing is is that if they're in a position where they're getting the pick-and-roll opportunities, and you know how the Nuggets play defense, they have a their weak side rotation means everything. So if Jokic is just playing at the level versus Luka, that means that Michael Porter or KCP or Jamal, whoever's on the other side, they have to immediately then crash and find the cutter, the diver, which is going to be Derek Live in this situation, and try to keep him from getting a wide open alley oop feed at the basket. But Luka is very good at holding, 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 basically making you think he's going to throw to that corner, and then as soon as you feel like he's not going to let the ball go, he still sends it to Lively because by that point, you've jumped out to the corner because you're just like, no way is he going to try to get this ball in this paint. But he does it at a really high level. So I think limiting opportunities for Derek to be a finisher is going to help them a lot because you don't want to give them the most efficient shot in basketball, which is a dunk or the layup. So I think it's going to be really key when they're playing at the level, having really crisp rotation, playing very sound defensively. And then Kyrie Irving, another really great isolation player and pick and roll player, making sure you're mitigating a lot of the stuff that they are doing on that side of the ball and trying to make them be scorers from the mid-range area out as much as possible because Luka Doncic, and everybody knows, is very good at getting to the rim and creating free throw opportunities. So you want to try to limit all that as much as you can.
0: Now, I don't know if the NBA in-season tournament's going to work, but it does tip off tonight, and you can't do much better than the Mavericks at the Nuggets, the Mavs, the last unbeaten team in the Western Conference, the Nuggets, the defending champ, Luka and Jokic, arguably two of the three, maybe two of the two best players in the NBA today going at each other. ESPN, the tip at 8 p.m. Really looking forward to it. I'm sure you are, too. I hope this isn't the last time we get to do this. Love to catch up and do this a couple more times as the season rolls along.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been great talking to you.
0: All right, thanks so much, Swiper. Uh, appreciate it. Make sure you give him a follow on social at Swipe Cam. of course, a host of podcasts, host of Locked On Nuggets. And you can catch him, Ryan Blackburn. We have him on as well a lot. Uh, they do together weekends with Swiper. So it's a lot of fun uh, getting his input as well. Delighted about the coverage that we put together at Mile High Sports. Uh, great, great stuff from a lot of different angles and a lot of different perspectives. Uh, Swipe, a big part of that. So appreciate having a chance to talk to him today. The. Seen this weekend is just bonkers. I mean, it feels like we've talked about everything. The Broncos are off, thank goodness, because there's there's only so many hours in the day you could watch stuff. Well, tomorrow, all three of the major college football programs will be in action. All three will be on national television, and none of the three will overlap. How about that opportunity to talk about it uh, next? And we'll give a chance to. By the way, and I I said all of them will be on tomorrow. My mistake. Not all of them will be on tomorrow. Not all of them. One of them. As a matter of fact, we'll be on much sooner than that. The uh, border war up between Colorado State and Wyoming is tonight in about oh, 40 minutes. So we'll break down the local college football scene around here next on Miley Sports. time now more with sandy Clough and sean drotar presented by superbook sports download the superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com this is sandy and sean on mile high sports Sandy Clough is off today but i'm with you sandy and i both have uh Lots of experience doing solo shows. so You're in good hands. It's all good. Danny Bailey's in the booth, and we're good. So it's fine. It's been fun talking to Eric Dean and Swipe, it, by the way. Great stuff. Hadn't had a chance to have Swipe on, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, Nuggets will get going. But, boys, they're football this weekend. The Colorado State and Wyoming get to go, and The border war will pick up at 6 p.m., so in just a little bit. That'll be on the CBS Sports Network. Wyoming favored by just about a touchdown. Six and a half as it stands, which I think reflects some of the movement towards the Rams, who I, now that they have found their quarterback, Braden fowler Nicolosi I've said before, multiple times, Torrey Horton is going to be playing. To, look, Horton's going to be playing on Sundays, okay? Enjoy him while he's in Fort Collins, because Torrey Horton's going to be playing on Sundays. That's a top receiver. They, they found their tight end in Allen Holker. Uh, they're in a position, even that three and five, in which they have a puncher's chance of taking this game. Wyoming at five and three. And it is in Laramie. If it wasn't in Laramie, I would feel much better about the Rams' chances. haven't looked at the weather. Probably not going to get any um, penalties for snowball throwing. That was a new one in the uh, last week to Air Force. But even though the Rams have won one of their last four games, it's been a lot better. Uh, The Utah State game was... Ugly. Obviously, they, they had the, the amazing win over Boise State. They gave UNLV a terrific run, and UNLV is good. That, that's, a, that's a good UNLV football team. And uh, look, if you lose their team to Air Force, I get it. Air Force is a top 25 team. They're not top, top 25 in the college playoff rankings. They're 19th in AP. They They run a completely unique offense that it's almost impossible to practice for. They've played really well, and it feels like from what I've seen from the Rams, they're really on the right track. I like what Jay Norvell's doing. I like him as a coach. I think that his offense is going to play well at altitude. Once you found the trigger man for that and they got him, and found him in Fallon Nicolosi, you find yourself in a lot of games. And yes, is Wyoming expected to win? Yes, Wyoming can probably win. Yes. Will I be the guy that. For some reason, this is an unpopular take in Colorado, which I don't understand. I mean, there is a border. I think every year. Sorry. So, yeah, direct your direct your angry texts. I'll just let you down. Know. Uh, 303-831-1340. Direct your angry texts. Wyoming every year for people in this state, and I don't know why it is. I don't know why it is. Every year. They overrate Wyoming. Every year. I get it. It's a it's a good program. It's a good program. I get it. Josh Allen went there. I get it. I understand. I do. Uh, Logan Wilson went there. It's good. It's good on the Bengals. Good linebacker. Not knocking Wyoming, but it it, it kind of strikes me when when people around here talk about it, it's if Wyoming's this constant top twenty five program that they're not. They're they're a nice program. They have some winning seasons. They're never ranked. They're, they're, they're fine. They're two and two in the mountain West. They're five and three overall. I'm not really sure why locally people look at it and go, oh yeah that, that Wyoming program is just they' they're fine. They're fine. The difference between Wyoming and CSU is not that much. And I'm looking forward to this game. I'm glad it's getting national coverage. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people suspect. About 41, no snow, so no snowballs. Of course, Rams fans, you know, probably not going to be that many up there. I mean, they travel okay. It's not that far a trip, but Laramie's a tough place to play. But good luck to the Rams on this one. I think this is an interesting, it's it's a bit of a statement game. They, they win this game. You go and win the, the the border War. You bring back the boot. You continue to feel that what they're building at the Rams is very real, and I think it is very real. Tomorrow, of course, you're sticking in that Mountain West Air Force, that aforementioned Ranked team will take on Army. They'll do that, by the way, at the Broncos Stadium down at Mile High. Another not their local thing. I don't have to give you the whole name because I know where you know. I, I know you know where it is, right? If I say Mile High, I don't have to say the whole name. Okay, just check it. I always love that. Feel like well, the whole stadium name is blah blah. I'm like, I realize that, but you know, we don't say that in normal speak. You don't tell your friends like, have you been to Empower Field at Mile High Stadium lately? People don't say that. Weird. Smile high, in case you missed it. It's the enormous football stadium in the middle of Denver. You'll probably notice it. That one. They're playing in that one. So you'll get a much bigger crowd. That also on CBS Sports Network at 12.30 p.m. tomorrow. Air Force is expected to romp, as they should. Army's 2-6, Air Force 8-0. Has uh, statistically, according to the folks at ESPN, the best chance of finishing the season unbeaten of any of the remaining unbeaten teams. And that's, of course, because the unbeaten teams at the very top of the rankings, some of them have to play each other <laughs> and have very tough conference games. But Air Force has a chance to really run the table. They're favored by 17 and a half, by the way. Uh, that's expected to be uh, an easy game. But keep an eye out for Air Force when you're looking at the the performance there. It's not necessarily the, the win, because I fully expect them to beat Army. And uh, Navy, by the way, will be down a mile high next year as well as they continue to build this up what i mean it's a great i love the idea of having this never danny you're going to that game you're going to be there yeah i'm pretty uh pretty excited for it i That'll haven't be been a mile high in a little while i think and the service games are always intense even yeah. though you know i oh, know yeah. that in this case army's kind of on the downside but it's it's going to be a lot of fun and but even when the teams are mismatched they play each other tough oh yeah like, the Air Force-Navy game a couple weeks ago was way closer than I expected. Well, and, and the reality is, look, Air Force can run the table. They're not making the college football playoff. They're not. The The Commander-in-Chief's trophy is their championship trophy. That's the one. That's the one you want. That's the one you can get. Uh, can they win the Mountain West? Yeah, they, they can. Probably will. And that, look, that looks good, too. But, yeah, th- this is a big one. And if your if you're Army, you know, your Army, you could win this game and lose out. An Army is still going to say, not a bad year. Pretty good. Much the way I feel about Colorado when they played the Cornhuskers. I'm like, did they beat Nebraska, though? I'm like, okay, I'm fine, whatever. The rest of the record was gravy. I keep an eye on Zach Larrier, though, who's been playing with a bit of an injury. That's the part I'm interested about, see how he looks. And make sure that he's rounding into form. The health looks good, because obviously critical to the rest of their schedule going forward with that will be uh, a lot of fun. The Army and Air Force game also national, and then the the nightcap as we talked about at the beginning of the show, and the uh, soon-to-be consigned to the dustbin of history Pac-12, the schedule continues to roll along, with one of the teams is still looking for a landing spot, which if, if you're right now in your Oregon State, you're like, really? Nobody wants us? They, they won a baseball championship not that long ago. They're 16th in the country in football. They're not as obsequious and annoying as Oregon. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of like they're on a one-year prove-it deal right now. I, I guess, but I'm a little surprised by that. But Oregon comes in at 6-2 into Boulder. That game will be the late start, seemingly the normal start nowadays for home games for the Buffs, 8 p.m. Uh, on ESPN. I know Dion doesn't love it all that much, but then again, national audience is national audience, and the Buffs approved and they can, they can pull that down. Uh, the problem is Oregon State is not only better than the Buffs, but where they're better happens to hit the Buffs really where they're not, and that is the Oregon State rushing offense. That offensive line of Oregon State has to be one of the top three or four in the country. The Buffs' defensive line uh, did a very nice job against UCLA. Great job against UCLA. I would say that's as good as they could do, quite frankly, against a UCLA team that runs pretty well. Two very good runners and, and even uh, quarterbacks that run, but th- it's not this Oregon State team. This Oregon State team can just ground guys in the pace. And they're upset because they lost a game to Arizona last week that they don't believe they should have lost. So this one is going to be a very, very, very tough pull for the Buffaloes already. And uh, it's a team that has 16 rushing touchdowns on the year already. They grind it out. Their top two rushers in attempts have 6.4 and 5.6 yards per carry averages by themselves. And that does not count Uyongalele, their quarterback, who leads the team in rushing touchdowns with five. And he's thrown for 17 with only four interceptions. Here's the part that's amazing, especially when you compare it to the Buffs and Shadur Sanders. Uyongalele's been sacked seven times. Seven. Total. That's a game for Shadur. That's got to get fixed. And that's a major problem. So it really is tough to figure out if this is going to work. The pass rush for for Oregon State is good, not great, but the problem is the offensive line for the Buffs is is bad. And we will find out. We talked about it earlier in the program. If you missed it, Pat Shermer, yeah, that Pat Shermer, is now going to be calling the plays promoted to co-offensive coordinator with Sean Lewis. In reality, kind of demoting Sean Lewis. If you're the only offensive coordinator and then you become co, you got demoted. I know what it says on it. Maybe your paycheck didn't get adjusted, but you got demoted. Uh, so Sean Lewis is essentially the quarterbacks coach. Pat Shermer is now offensive coordinator. He's going to be calling the plays tomorrow night. That just kind of uh, ended up being reported. It wasn't something the Buffs released, but it, it probably needed to happen. So I'll be. I'm not necessarily looking for a Buffs win. That would be amazing because they're four and four, and they need two to get to a bowl. And you'd like to not go under five hundred when you started three and zero. But what I am looking for is more creativity in the offense, ways to get the ball out faster, ways to make sure that Shadur Sanders does not have to sit in a pocket and just get clobbered because at this rate, he will not finish the season. He already had to play hurt against UCLA, another of these four, five, six sacks a game type of things. And by the way, the bus are averaging, surrendering five a game, averaging five. Uyonga Lele's had seven all year. That's not sustainable. I mean, you talk about like a draw play, I get it. Not not sexy, right? But what's the point of a draw play? point of a draw play is to let the defensive line get forward, and then they've basically outrun the play before. Well, the Buffs do that anyway without designing the play. Why not lean into it? You have to run the ball more. Work on some of those delays. Work on some of those draw plays. Work on screens. Get other guys crossing. Get Travis Hunter. Get Omarion Miller. Get Xavier Weaver in the middle of the field, not just on the sideline. The offense has become far too predictable. Over the the season, at the beginning of the season, Sanders' athleticism and Hunter and the, the, the array of wide receivers they can throw at them, that was able to get it done. But now everyone knows what they're doing, and much like what the Broncos did to Kansas City, where they were basically saying, we're not going to let you throw the deep ball, get it done in the middle of the field, that's what teams are doing to the Buffs, but the Buffs don't adjust. The Chiefs got beat by the Broncos by it. If you think that's going to work again on the Chiefs, I got a surprise for you. It probably won't, because Andy Reid adjusts. He looks at how teams are playing, and he looks at what he, his team is capable of, and he adjusts. Pat Shermer is going to have to do that. He does have the experience. The track record is questionable but I don't think it was possible to have Lewis continue running the plays. You're going to end up with important players on your team getting hurt. You have to do it. So good on Deion Sanders for making the move. I don't know how well it'll work out, but it had to happen. Well, we talked a little bit, uh, at least the fact that the NBA tournament is happening with our friend Swipe, but, but we didn't really get into how it works. Um, That's only partially because I didn't entirely know. But I'm going to continue to look it up over the break, and then hopefully I'll be able to find it out for you. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back on a Friday. Of course, the Denver Broncos on a bye. They will be back next Monday to take on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. That is, uh, if you're thinking that's not ideal, you're, you're correct. But at the moment, we'll. See how it goes for the uh, Broncos. We'll pay attention to them as they stood pat at the trade deadline. Must feel to a certain extent that maybe they've turned things around a little bit, but uh, a lot going on. Sports, we talked about all, all three of the college football programs. Of course, the uh, the Portalworth Rams in Wyoming uh, start in just about 15 minutes. The uh, Avalanche have a big weekend of games, the game against Vegas, the biggest game on the NHL schedule tomorrow. I mean, there's just a ton going on. But an interesting part of it, is this NBA tournament, and the Nuggets will play their first game of it tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. That tip-off is at 8, and you will notice when the game appears that it, not only are the Nuggets wearing, well, some what's truly awful uniforms. I'm just not even going to dance around it. Um, the And Nike worked on, I guess, you know, my idea of ever being sponsored by Nike might go out the window here, not that it's ever was going to happen, so I feel sort of free to say that I don't know what Nike's plan was with the city edition for this tournament, but no. Um, the Nuggets jerseys, if you haven't seen them, are black with a navy blue sort of outline of the mountain. Sort of cool, except if you're thinking it's hard to see navy blue on black, you're right. Um, you blew it! Yeah. The, the numbers look in the same type style, but the player number on the front you know on the upper left chest and then uh where you might have a team name or a logo it's just 5280 in the exact same numbers so yeah when you know i guess uh like Porter Jr gets a reach in foul i i one of these refs is going to look over real quick and be like foul on 15280 free throws I mean i i don't know what they're going to do it's it's uh it's a little weird it it's uh Bit of a miss but uh you know you can't get it all i, I will say the floor looks kind of cool though all the teams will have floors now of course in an odd all the floor teams floors basically look the same but they're just more solid color with the same design so the, the nba adam silvers wanted to do this for a while he's looked how in-season tournaments work in soccer and in-season cups and they're a big deal now the truth is in most of european soccer those are sort of separate games from the season. In fact, leagues some of the leagues stop their seasons to have these cups because they cross over with other leagues and they become a big deal. The NBA's case, they're not going to do that. And what they've done, I think in this case, wisely, is it's just a series of regular season games, but they've adjusted the schedule in how they do that. So it's, it's not really as if it's making massive alterations. And, and certain... There, there's some argument behind it. And Nick Nurse, the coach of the Sixers, who coached in England for uh, part of his decade in Europe, uh, said earlier this week, personally, I love it. I've been through it a lot of years over there. It's a part of every season over there. And it's interesting. Obviously, it comes from soccer and people are more in tune with it. The players are in tune with it. What's going on and why you're doing it. So I love it from that standpoint. But I think the other standpoint is you're getting down to one level knockouts. And I think that will be amazing to watch once it gets there. The, the interest level, I don't know. But it's not going to hurt anything because you don't really do much. The NBA obviously is not confident in it because the, the name of the tournament is in season tournament. Not joking. That's the name. The NBA in season tournament. The trophy is the NBA Cup. The NBA, if you've, like every sports league ever, will be happy to sponsor anything and everything that can be sponsored. Okay. You've probably gone to a game and the uh, the rally towel is entirely covered in some corporate logo, and yet there is no sponsor for the NBA in season tournament or the cup. So obviously there are some questions. Funny thing is I, it sounds like I'm ripping it. I'm really not. I'm sort of for it. I don't think it's hurting anything, and I'm curious. I think it's all upside and no downside. I just don't really know how it shakes out. And what they did is they they put these teams in. I love a you, – you can't call whatever everyone we say – you know pools in like World Cup and everything. No, it's it's pots. Now then this is group. But what they did is they separated their, their teams in the conference. I'll see if I can explain this the easiest way possible. All fifteen teams in each of the conferences were separated into five pots. Those pots were based on their standings. So in other words, if you were in Pot One, you finished one through three in the regular season record. Teams four through six went into Pot Two, seven through nine in Pot Three. You get it, right? So basically, in your five team group. You have one really good team, one team that was kind of good, one team in the middle, one team that was sort of bad, and one bad team. The Nuggets are in West Group B, which is themselves, of course, joined by the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, who they play tonight, and the Rockets. So you will play these, and they count as regular season games. But at a certain point, they will also be knockout games as teams continue to win. And so they will get to a spot where when the championship comes across, that team would play an 83rd game that does not count as part of the regular season. Each player on the winning team gets half a million dollars. The runner ups get 200,000. If you make it to the semis uh, and lose, you get 100,000. Losing in the quarterfinals, you get 50,000. That number probably just maybe rookies care, or (laughs) it's not, it's probably not enough to make a difference. There is an MVP award for the tournament. Okay. Uh, it has no impact on the playoffs or anything whatsoever. It's just a regular season award. So I'm not a I'm not opposed to it. I'm not, I don't think it's bad. Um, the first time everyone brought up, you know, the play-in tournament, it sounded like, well, why would you want to do that? Well, it turns out play-in tournament adds some pretty cool drama and it incentivizes teams to compete longer in the regular season for two reasons. One, if you're not a good team and you, you would normally be like, ah, it's not the playoffs this year, you can push and get into the play-in tournament and maybe you can get A surprise. If you're a good team, believe you have a chance, you're playing hard to avoid the play-in tournament. So that affects the regular season, and it does affect the load management. It does affect late games. For in-end to make it better for the viewers, because the viewers are going to get the stars playing games most of the time in the important positions. More important games means stars play more. That's what the play-in tournament has done. I don't know if this will make a difference. I suspect this will make a difference more to younger players who are more incentivized given the money, but that's not the worst thing either. If this morphs into something where teams realize on some of these, we're not necessarily going to rest, but it's not a big deal if we want to give our younger guys, maybe a Julian Strother gets a little more play in some of these games because it's one of the games that ordinarily we do a little load management, but it matters to Strother because he'd like the extra half a million and it allows us to play some of our young guys and get them some run. You know, we don't know what form it, it, it can take but there's no downside to it because it's just the irregular season schedule being arranged differently. That's all it is. So I I I like it when sports experiment, you know, when when baseball has been undergoing experience, I get it. Rob Manfred maybe doesn't really love baseball and that really bothers people, but it might very well be that Rob Manfred's kind of been the guy they needed because baseball had stagnated and some of the things that would make baseball sustain had become problematic. And you, you had some of these and, and traditionalists who were fighting against the walk. No, the guy needs to throw four balls. We need to wait and watch four more minutes of someone throwing four balls to walk a guy because literally on average, once every other year, one of those goes wild and a run scores. But remember, there are 30 teams playing 162 games a year. There's almost 1,500 baseball games a year, and one out of every 3,000. No, that's not not a good thing for the fans. So they got rid of it. And guess what? That's good. The pitch clock needed to go. They got rid of it. They, they, They needed to put a pitch clock in. The pitch clock had been in the rules since 1920. Look it up. Just hadn't been enforced. They enforced it. Baseball's ratings went up. Baseball's viewership. How about this? The in-stadium viewership for baseball, the average age went down. I don't know the last time that's happened in baseball. That rarely happens in sports, period. Innovate, create. We have a culture that has a different attention span. And yes, some of it has to be manufactured. And yes, this tournament's manufactured. But that's all right. That's all right. Just because something's different doesn't mean it's bad. Just because something isn't the most important thing in the world doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. So I'm all for it, even if it's a little weird. Because it takes place over a span of time. They get Dallas. Well, the Chicago Bulls aren't in their pool, group, whatever. They play the Bulls on Saturday after they play the Mavs tonight. But then they go back and play a team in their pool in New Orleans on monday then they play golden state not in their pool on wednesday then they play houston in their pool on sunday i get it it's weird but at the same time if we were just to say in the first week of november they have a game against dallas friday they have a game against chicago on monday, would it matter nothing changes so try it no harm no harm done creativity in sports is good do that. I'm all for it. Innovate. Evolve or die. That's the way the world works. Hope you have some cool plans. Obviously, a lot of a lot of sports going on this weekend. I'm actually going to head down from the studio. My wrap up. I'm going to go catch the uh, uh, high school playoff game. I'm going to go catch the uh, um, Castle View. Sabercats is playing their playoff game down at uh, Douglas County Stadium. Not too far from the uh, Mile High Sports Studio, so I'm going to go catch that game. And uh, a lot of, uh, we had Dan Mormon on yesterday, a lot of High school football playoffs going on this weekend. Then of course we got football tomorrow. Danny's gonna double dip. Danny's gonna do Air Force Army and then go right up to Boulder for Buffs Oregon State. I'll be there for Buffs Oregon State as well. And then uh no Broncos game to watch on Sunday. Sort of weird. So, we just um, get to enjoy NFL football. Yeah, NFL football with you know low stress. Get the honeydew list done. This is the good week, you know, get caught up on that, right? So then next week, of course. <clears throat> Next Sunday, i will have to do it again because the Broncos don't play till Monday. But anyway, a good opportunity to invest in that uh, It's a good relationship skills thing. You know, just yeah, spend a little time on it. It'd be good. But have a uh, happy, healthy, safe weekend. Sandy will be back on Monday as well. Had a great time talking with you today. It's been a while since I've been uh, uh, flying solo here. It's kind of uh, fun to stretch those wings a little bit. So uh, Sandy gets a little longer vacation, a little three-day weekend, and I got a little time to spend with you. Thanks to Arif Dean joining us. Follow Arif on social. Run right. Pardon me. Run right. Arif. A A R I F for everything on the Avalanche. And of course, swipe a swipe a cam on social for the Nuggets. You can catch up with Ryan Blackburn, of course, who we have here, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. Weekends with swipe up Sure, the one's coming up next. If you missed any part of this program, you want that primer on the playoffs. You can get it, even though you missed Dan Mormon yesterday from Colorado Preps. That's easy. Go to mileysports.com or get the Mile High Sports app. and You can listen to any of the shows that you missed at your convenience at your fingertips. Piece of cake. You can even tell your smart speaker. Cast it to your Bluetooth speaker or whatever because that's what you do on weekends. Whatever you're doing, have a great time. Danny Bailey in the booth making everything work. Thanks to Danny. As always, I literally don't even know how the phones work here. So without Danny, nothing happens. Like literally, I don't. They don't always work, but we try our hardest. Oh, okay. Do, do you have to hit like nine to go out like a hotel or something? No. No? No, okay. nothing too crazy Yeah, I, like did, I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't. I've literally never used it. I don't even know. I, yeah, you know, I live. Yeah, the show doesn't happen without Danny put it that way for sure. And it doesn't happen without you. So however you listen to it, thank you so much. We hope to have you back on Monday. I missed any part of it, as you said, Mileysports.com or the app. Sandy will be back as well. So have a safe, happy, healthy weekend because we want to catch you back on Monday for Danny Bailey and for Sandy Clough, even though he's not here. I'm Sean Drotar. Have a great weekend, but you don't have to leave. You can keep it right here on Miley Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, The weekend. <laughs> Fire in your I'm not even going to lie, I don't even know what's
1: going on. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on, I, I don't even know how it works, I, I don't know anything honestly. I'm just looking at the schedule. And I see all on the schedule, see like a trophy next to one of the games, I'm like, I feel like the trophy is supposed to be in you know, July, but why is that a trophy? I don't know what's going on, I'm not going to lie. All I know is I'm trying, just trying to win the games, that's all. Uh-oh.
0: Well, if you win enough of the games and you make the final win, that's an extra five hundred thousand dollars for you. Does that motivate you? Yeah, for sure. For
1: sure, anything you know like that, for sure. But most importantly, just trying to rack up some wins.